Hey, hi, hello, and welcome to the first episode of the Double Trouble Detectives podcast. And I'm your host, Pat McLaughlin. And I'm Colin. This is our first episode of this brand new true crime podcast. So we thought it'd be really cool if we did a local case. So we decided it upon America's first known serial killer, who also happens to be a Chicago native, Dr. H.H. Holmes. We're identical twin brothers who are obsessed with true crime, so we decided to express our love of true crime to a new level by creating our own podcast. A quick trigger warning before we start tonight's show. There will be discussions of murder, kidnapping, and overall distressing themes discussing murder and the dismemberment of human corpses. Any of these things make you feel squeamish, now's your chance to click away. We'll be waiting for you in the very next episode. To those who are still with us, let's get started, shall we? Herman Webster Mudgett was born in Gilmanton, New Hampshire, to Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price, who had parents who were immigrants from England. His father was a man with multiple jobs to financially support his family. He was a house painter, farmer, and trader, among others. His parents were devout Methodists. As a teenager, Mudgett was a wonderfully bright young man, attending the highly prestigious Phillips Ecker Academy and worked jobs as a teacher assistant for schools in his hometown, along with the nearby town of Alton. In Alton, he met and subsequently married his future wife, Clara Lovering, on July 4th, 1878. They had one son together, Robert Lovering Mudgett, on February 3rd, 1880. At age 18, Mudgett decided to attend the University of Vermont in Burlington for his medical studies. However, he decided after one year of his studies that he would transfer over to the University of Michigan while at Michigan, he learned human anatomy and the process of dissection and graduated in the year 1884. Unfortunately, Mudgett and Claire's marriage were showing signs of strain, and they constantly argued about who would take care of their very young son. Right before he abandoned his wife and child for Chicago, Mudgett changed his name from Herbert Webster Mudgett to Henry Howard Holmes. When Holmes moved to Chicago, he married Myrta Belknap, even though he was still legally married to Clara. They had a daughter, Lucy Theodate Holmes, who was born coincidentally on July 4th, 1889 in Englewood. However, Holmes married for the third and final time to Georgina Yoke on January 17th, 1894, when still being married to both Clara and Myrta. Afterwards, he moved back to Englewood to construct his elaborate murder plot. When he arrived back in Englewood, he acquired a local drugstore in an empty lot next door to create his now infamously known murder castle. Around this time, the World's Columbian Exposition was only days away, so Holmes decided to use his castle as a hotel for people to stay in. He even advertised in local newspapers that he had posh and luxurious suites for single young ladies. For anyone who does not know exactly what the World's Columbian Exposition was, we'll let you know. It was an event commemorating the 400th anniversary of Columbus discovering America set up by the United States Congress in an order for people to move to the United States, set in Chicago. Holmes's first victims were believed to be his mistress, Julia Smythe, and her young daughter, Pearl. She and Holmes first met after the small family moved into the castle with her husband, Ned Connor. The two fell madly in love with each other after they had moved in. When Ned found out about the affair, he divorced his wife and abandoned them for Kentucky, while Julia stayed with Holmes. On Christmas Eve of 1891, Julia and Pearl mysteriously vanished. When Holmes was questioned about where Julia and Pearl had gone, he said that Julia had died during a botched abortion and that he apparently, quote-unquote, accidentally poisoned Pearl. 
Later, when all investigators searched his house for the victims, a partial skeleton of a child was found, which has been suspected to be belonging to Pearl. Another victim, Emily Singrade, started working at the hotel in May of 1892 and suddenly vanished in December of that very same year. Rumors began to swirl that Holmes got her pregnant with his child and died during yet another failed abortion attempt. One fateful day while Holmes was working at the chemical bank on Dearborn Street, Holmes crossed paths with his partner in crime, Benjamin Pivotal, who was a local carpenter working on a coal bin he had recently just invented. Soon after this fateful encounter, Holmes had hired him to work on the hotel slash the murder castle, who had, and hired him as his personal accomplice. In 1893, Holmes met aspiring young actress Minnie Williams, who had just moved to Chicago from Fort Worth, Texas. He had hired her as his personal stenographer and secretary and immediately persuaded her to hand over the $2 million deed of her house back in Fort Worth. Minnie's sister Annie moved back, moved to her in Chicago to see the World Fair. The two sisters were last seen alive getting ready for a trip to Europe with her apparent brother Harry, who was also an alias for Holmes. None of these bodies of these two women have ever been found. Holmes, the thought of a plan that would eventually lead to his downfall, faking the death of his friend Benjamin Pivitzel. In October of 1894, Pivitzel agreed to fake his own death for a $10,000 life insurance policy in which he was split in three, in three ways for Holmes and his wife. Pivitzel was going to take up the name B.F. Perry and was supposed to die in a freak chemical accident in his laboratory. However... This was not the case. Holmes actually betrayed Pivotal and killed him for, by knocking him unconscious, and while he was still alive, he set him on fire with benzene. After the murder, he collected the $10,000 life insurance policy and took three of the five Pivotal children, Alice, Nellie, and Howard, on a cross-country road trip while the eldest daughter and the baby stayed with the grieving young Mrs. Pivotal. Holmes and the children traveled all across the country in Canada while subsequently avoiding authorities. At the same time, he led Mrs. Pivotal on, a, on the same journey, but taking different directions to find her children. He also led her to believe that her husband was hiding in London, England, across the Atlantic Ocean. Right before Holmes and Mrs. Pivotal entered Canada to search for her, her children, they stopped in Detroit to, at a hotel. In reality, the children were being held hostage only a few blocks away from the hotel room. In yet another shocking move, Holmes was staying in yet another hotel with his wife, who had absolutely no clue of what exactly was going on. Holmes, during his confession, said that he killed Alice and Nellie by trapping them in his wooden trunk and locking them in as they slowly asphyxiated. Holmes discarded their bodies by burying them in his car cellar in Toronto, Ontario. As for Howard, he tucked the young lad to Indianapolis, bought some poison, and had his knife sharpened so that he could easily dismember the young lad's corpse. Teeth and bones were found in a rental house's chimney that Holmes had rented. Holmes's killing spree finally reached its climax after he was arrested in Boston on November 17, 1894, after being discovered by the world-famous Pinkerton National Detective Agency when Holmes tried and failed to steal a horse. He was held on an unquote, outstanding warrant, Holmes was planning on fleeing the country with his third wife after he was released from jail. However, he would never get out of prison. 
In July of 1895, after investigators exhumed both Alice and Nellie's bodies, police in Chicago started looking at the Myrtle Castle for evidence. Unfortunately, no such evidence was found in Englewood. In October, Holmes was put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Plitzewitzel, in which he was found guilty and subsequently sentenced to death. After his conviction, Holmes confessed to taking 27 lives, though some of his quote-unquote victims were actually still living. Holmes was paid $7,500 for his confession from local newspapers. Holmes claimed that he was possessed by Satan as justification for the murders that he committed. In December of that same year, 1895, the castle had mysteriously burned down. According to a New York Times article published around the time, Two mysterious men were observed to have entered the castle's back entrance at around 8 p.m. Approximately 30 minutes later, they were seen fleeing the castle's back entrance again, followed by several large explosions, and see- were- which were seen and heard by local authorities. A small jerry can was found next to the backwards entrance, which was speculated to be a firebomb, which exploded. The, fi- the building had eventually survived the initial damage, but was torn down as a safety precaution. The site where the castle once stood is now a post office in Englewood. On May 7th, 1896, Holmes was hanged at Monty Saming Prison, also known as the Philadelphia County Prison for the Pivotal's murder. Until he died, Holmes was unnaturally calm in the moments leading up to his execution. He asked for his coffin to be filled up with cement and buried 10 feet into the ground so that grave robbers wouldn't be able to ransack his corpse. When the gallows finally dropped, his neck did not break from the sudden drop. Instead, he slowly asphyxiated from the rope. He was pronounced dead after 20 minutes of struggling. Afterwards, he was buried in an unmarked grave at the Holy Cross Cemetery in Yeadon, Pennsylvania. And with that, the tale of H.H. Holmes is done. Well, that was a very interesting first episode, don't you think, Pat? I thought so too, Colin. I thought it was really interesting to talk and learn not just about a local case, but more importantly... A case that has been widely considered the, the beginning of the American serial killer as we know him today. And the fascination that people have with them in America. If you're on your phone, please consider giving Double Trouble Detectives a follow so that you'll be up to date when a new episode drops. For our research into a Holmes mindset and his murder spree, we used Eric Larson's New York Times bestselling novel, The Devil in the White City, Murder, Magic, and Madness at the Fair That Changed America. It's a fantastic read. We highly recommend reading it to get more information concerning the murder castle and Holmes himself. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. Double Trouble Detectives is written and directed by Pat McLaughlin. It is created through the Anchor app, and it is hosted by Pat and Colin McLaughlin. Until next crime, have a killer day. Good night. Bye.